from a self-quarantined bunker somewhere in middle Georgia. <laughs> Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here and the Eric Erickson Show. No video live stream. The kids are now home uh, educating themselves on the Internet. God knows what they're looking at. We, we got parental controls on the Internet here. Uh, so we, we've got the kids are home from school now. Schools are closing all over the state of Georgia, all over the nation. Schools are closing and uh, it, it, people are going into panic mode. You know, our, our Chick-fil-A is now uh, drive through only. They're shutting down the Chick-fil-A's uh, around the country. Uh, you can go through the drive through. You cannot dine in at Chick-fil-A effective immediately. Publix is closing at 8 p.m. every day to sanitize and restock because people are coming in and hoarding and, and panicked. Uh, I want to get into all of that. I want to get into to the Democratic debate. I want to make all of this make sense to you. First, uh, let me play you this uh, from the uh, head of the World Health Organization, the executive director, Dr. Tim Ryan, uh, to try to put all of this in perspective for you of what's going on out there globally. What we've learned in Ebola outbreaks is you need to react quickly. You need to go after the virus. You need to stop the chains of transmission. You need to engage with communities very deeply. Community acceptance is hugely important. You need to be coordinated. You need to be coherent. You need to look at the other sectoral impacts, the schools and security and economic. So it's essentially many of those same lessons. But the lessons I've learned after so many uh, Ebola outbreaks in, in my career are be fast, uh, have no regrets. You must be the first mover. The virus will always get you if you don't move quickly. Uh, and you need to be prepared. And I, I say this, one of the great things in emergency response, and anyone who's involved in emergency response will know this, if you need to be right before you move, you will never win. Perfection is the enemy of the good when it comes to emergency management. Speed trumps perfection. And the problem in society we have at the moment is everyone is afraid of making a mistake. Everyone is afraid of the consequence of error. But the greatest error is not to move. The greatest error is to be paralyzed by the fear of failure. And I think that's the single biggest lesson I've learned in Ebola responses in the past. Now, why is he talking about Ebola response? Because in the past, Ebola response has spread pretty far. There are still a lot of people out there who are thinking, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is no big deal. When you look at how many people the flu kills annually, uh, right now, let me give you the data so that you have an idea of where we are with this virus nationally. Uh, this will be updated throughout the day. Georgia will be updating its own list here at noon. Uh, but right now, the United States, you know, I left on... Friday, and we had 1,700 cases and said uh, we were currently on track to have about 3,000 cases. By the time we got back here on Monday, we've got 3,774 cases right now this morning in the United States. The death toll has gone up to uh, 69. A lot of people are asking why the cure uh, number has not moved from 12 in a while. And the problem is because due to limited testing, they can't retest people to make sure that they are uh, cured or recovered. But, you know, the guy they had up, the, the guy who was in the Waffle House who got it, uh, who was was placed at, at Hard Labor Creek State Park, he's now been released. They say he no longer has symptoms and has recovered, even though he's not listed in this recovery here. And the reason being because they haven't given him a second test to make sure he's not recovered. Once you're, you no longer have fever and your symptoms go away, uh, they're, they're listing you as recovered. Now, 
I want to put this in perspective for those of you who say this, this really is just the flu or the flu is a bigger deal. Let me, let me put into perspective why, why they're closing down so much around the country, why people are being urged to stay inside. Uh, and the reason is this last year, the seasonal flu killed 34,200 Americans. And you're looking at that number and you're thinking, well, why are people so freaked out about COVID-19? Because we've only got 3,700 total people in this country who have it. Well, that's the point. If COVID-19 were to spread like the flu uh, spreads around the country every year, we would have 342,000 Americans dead, not the 34,000 dead uh, from the flu. But wait, there's more. With the flu, there's a vaccine, and everybody, because the, the every person who is alive today has experienced the flu in one way or another, uh, everyone has a level of natural immunity to the flu. The flu has been around for over 100 years, uh, regularly documented for at least 100 years. Everyone who is alive has some level of natural immunity, some more than others, and there's a vaccine. With COVID-19, there is no vaccine and there is no natural immunity. So people who have a natural immunity towards the flu don't have it towards COVID-19. People who've gotten a vaccine to avoid the flu can avoid COVID-19 with the flu vaccine. So the reality is that COVID-19 would actually kill more Americans and infect more Americans than the flu does. Last year, 35.5 million Americans got the flu. Now, there's no vaccine and there's no natural immunity. And in the best case scenario, there's a mortality rate of 1% for COVID-19. That means COVID-19 would actually kill 355,000 Americans minimum uh, if it spread in the wild like the flu spreads in the wild. But remember, again, uh, some people didn't get the flu because they got vaccinated. So if there was no vaccine for the flu, you could have 60 million Americans getting the flu last year instead of 35.5 million, or you can get 100 million Americans getting the flu because if people didn't have a vaccine for it, but we did. So they kept the numbers low. Uh, that won't stop COVID-19 because there is no vaccine for it. So you get 100 million Americans with COVID-19 if it spreads like the flu spreads. Uh, and how many Americans would that kill? That would kill a million Americans if we assume the death rate is 1% of those infected. The reality is what we're seeing in Europe is the death rate is actually about 5%. So that would be 5 million Americans dying if 100 million Americans got this. Now, we're working very hard to make sure that it doesn't spread in the wild like that. And the way we're doing that is keeping people inside, uh, keeping people uh, homebound. You know, my, my wife and I go to separate gyms and I go to a gym uh, in Macon, uh, Tau training, where it's just me and the trainer in the afternoon by ourselves. And, and even then, uh, my doctor, my wife's doctor, my, my, my office, everybody urging us stay at home. Don't even do that. So we're not even doing that. Uh, we are avoiding as best we can crowds. We are staying home as best we can. We are limiting our grocery store shopping as best we can. We are trying to eat what we have in the house and not go out for the next few weeks. And I'm hoping, Lord, I'm hoping we can make it to the beach. Uh, we, we are, I am supposed to go on vacation in two weeks. And every year we get a beach house uh, in Hilton Head and we take my wife's parents with us and we go for a couple of we go for a week uh, while the kids are on spring break. Now, all of this is thrown off, of course, because now schools are closed. So the kids are technically home for the next two weeks, even though they're they're essentially we've become homeschooling family now. All the schools are going homeschool families, which puts an extra burden on things. You know, these are not easy scenarios here. So you, you've got a, a you've got a kindergartner. 
and school is closed and you've got a job and you work by the hour, what do you do? What do you do with your child? Uh, These are not easy questions, and the government, of course, uh, is bad with the answers right now, and the Democrats want full-on socialism for this stuff, which isn't a good fit. You know, the the government is preparing this bailout package, and if you read the bailout package, it's actually a terrible package, and Republicans should be ashamed for supporting it. The president uh, should be really angry with his advisors for for, uh, agreeing to do this. The president himself, uh, if he pays attention to what's going on here, this is a a detriment to small businesses. For example, part of the package uh, of this legislation, it would require that uh, small businesses give paid leave to employees. But the Fortune 500 would be exempted. Companies over 500 employees will be exempted from what the government is planning. Well, guess what? Uh, Companies with less than 500 employees actually do not have the financial wherewithal to be able to sustain shutting down and covering all the costs for employees. And it was not written with small businesses at the table to participate and to discuss what was going on. This was actually written by uh, the Fortune 500 lobbyists and uh, Steve Mnuchin, who really has shown he doesn't care about small businesses. And it was written by the Democrats. This puts small businesses at a competitive disadvantage, and that is unfortunate. Uh, I want to work through all of this today. I want to take your phone calls as well. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Right now, for those of us here in Georgia, I realize I got a national audience, but I am in Georgia, and all my stations are in Georgia, and I want to spend some time Real quick, bringing you up to speed, the state legislature went home on Friday and will be returning to Atlanta today. So, you know, I had the governor on on Friday and and the governor said we need to get out of this building quick uh, because this building, we got people from all over the state. If if they get sick and it spreads, now it's going to be bad for all over the state of Georgia. And he's right. But the governor needs some emergency powers. He needs to be able to move quickly to respond to this disease. He cannot do it without the state legislature doing it. The governor is about to become the most powerful governor in Georgia history, uh, at least temporarily. What he's asking for from the legislature, and by the way, the legislature is going to give it to him. It's a foregone conclusion. Uh, Democrats and Republicans have come together and said, yes, please take these powers from us, please. Uh, He's going to be able to suspend state law. He's going to take direct control of civilian staff. He's going to be able to restrict travel. He's going to be able to limit uh, public gatherings. It's the first time in state history, according to the AJC, a governor's issued this type of declaration. Kemp cast it as essential to ensure the state can marshal all available resources to respond to the outbreak. The vote passed unanimously in the Georgia Senate. It was pending a vote in the state house when they shut down. So the session is going to be an empty state capitol. The House Speaker calling everybody back. Um, Instead of a pastor leading the morning prayer, Calvin Smyrie, the longest serving lawmaker, uh, he, he wants to issue resolve in the Senate chamber. Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan has called for patience. And the governor intends to get this thing signed as soon as it's through. They went into session at 8 o'clock in the morning. Having packed up and left, they return back today to do this for the governor. And it is a it is a big deal that he's going to be able to get these powers. He will be able to take control of private property as needed, uh, specifically looking at hospitals. He'll be able, he's already summoned the National Guard to get out and help. Uh, listen, if, if y'all are all listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is an overreaction, uh, you, you may be right. Maybe it is an overreaction. 
but consider exactly what's going on in this country. And, and let's go back to the numbers I gave you at the very beginning of the show. If we assume that this spreads like the flu, you're looking at a minimum of 355,000 people dead. Uh, and actually, because there are so many people who get the flu vaccine in this country so that they don't get the flu, um, it, it, this, va- this, this disease has no vaccine. And anyone who comes into contact with it, because no one has natural immunity, anyone who comes into contact with it is going to get it. You're looking at more than a million people dead, according to the CDC, if this spreads like the flu, based on their modeling. By the way, they haven't been wrong with the modeling thus far. You do need to understand that. The CDC has been modeling the spread of the disease in the United States uh, since January, and they have daily hit their target on what the number is going to be. Now, how do they do that? Well, because you presume that this disease, one person spreads it to 2.3 other people. It actually is looking more and more like three other people, but right now 2.3 other people. We're not quite at a daily doubling. We're at a daily 30, if you will, that a third more people every day will get this. Uh, We are about to hit the doubling number. Uh, As the disease crosses the 4,000-person metric, which it will today, uh, most disease analysts will start saying it's going to double every day as opposed to uh, go up by a third every day. That means it's going to spread even further. That means we're going to start overwhelming hospital facilities. And again, you can say it with me at this point, the purpose of self-quarantining everyone and making people stay home is not to stop the spread, but to slow the spread so we can free up hospital resources. Even so, we're looking at uh, 1% of people who get it dead minimum, although I got to tell you that the data coming out of Europe is actually really troubling. Uh, my buddy Rod Dreher, uh, some of you know his name, and he sent me this video. This is from, uh, I believe this is from the BBC documenting what's, yeah, it's a BBC presentation and documenting what's happening in Spain right now. Now, the Mediterranean uh, European countries are, let's just call them inept. Uh, and the, they they took some steps that should not have been taken. For example, The Italians, one of the reasons Northern Italy was hit so hard and didn't take it seriously is because the mayors in Northern Italy are so dependent on Chinese labor now in their leather factories, among other things. A lot of people flying direct from Wuhan to Northern Italy and the mayors in Northern Italy organized. I kid you not. They organized a hug a Chinese day to combat anti-Chinese sentiment with the spread of the virus. They were encouraging hug a Chinese day and help spread the virus in Northern Italy by doing that. And that's why it's exploded. And Spain, of course, you know, Spain has never quite been competently run. Uh, but nonetheless, you got socialists running Italy, socialists running Spain. Don't say it can't happen here because we don't have socialists like that. We, we do in New York City. De Blasio is absolutely incompetent in New York City. But still, uh, keep that in mind when you hear this. This is, this is the BBC. The audio is not fantastic, but you can listen to it and get a sense of what is happening in Spain right now. She's gasping, grief-stricken, and infected with the virus. Last night in this hospital, her husband died. Today, doctors have told her to go home. There aren't enough beds to treat her. She's not sick enough. Not yet. Around her, trying to calm her, are her children, now at extreme risk too. They warn us to wear masks, keep a distance. 
Spain is in the grip of the virus. Everywhere, it's close at hand. That's the BBC. This is a, a 70-some-odd-year-old woman. Her husband is dead. She has the virus. She's having trouble breathing. She struggles to breathe, and they don't have enough hospital space for her. She's not in critical condition yet enough, uh, and so they've sent her home. It, that is, we're starting to see the situation in Seattle, and we're starting to see the situation in parts of New England, where hospitals are beginning to fill up. In New York City, we've got two doctors who were at the front lines of this, who are now in intensive care. They have now succumbed to the virus. This is why everybody's urging everybody to stay put, stay home, stay out of the, stay out of the office if you can. If you can't go into the office, um, that's how bad the situation has become. You know, there is an irony in all of this that involves the United States and our culture that we should discuss when we come back. It is 26 after the hour. It is Eric Erickson here. Look, if anybody's got questions, uh, concerns, you name it, or frankly, if anybody needs assistance right now, uh, and, and you need you need to get out there, feel free, uh, 877-973-7425, 877-97-ERIC. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's really, really, really something to, to uh, pay attention to as this thing spreads in the state. Uh, it is really somewhat unique. It is not something we have seen in our lifetimes. And, you know, I got a note, I got a, I'm going to nephew, uh, my, my oldest nephew, uh, is graduating, my middle sister's oldest son, is graduating from high school. And they're not sure they're going to be able to do high school graduation because of the virus. Uh, the, the CDC is limiting for the next eight weeks gatherings of people 50 or more. That's their guidelines. They're not in, they can't enforce it. They've got to get governments to enforce it, but governments are beginning to enforce this. No gatherings of 50 or more. By the way, that's going to affect Easter. It's going to affect Passover. It's going to affect uh, Ramadan. Uh, it's going to affect all the major religions uh, within this country. People not wanting 50 or more people gathered. It's going to affect graduations and weddings and funerals and the like. But so my nephew was born in 2002. He was born in a 9-11 a world and graduates in the COVID-19 world. All he has known his entire life is war and pestilence. And do you know, by the way, um, your average person on planet Earth over time, that's essentially what they've known, war and pestilence. Uh, it is, it's, it's essentially um, those of us who are older than, than this, what, Gen Z, uh, who had some level of respite, are arguably the, the Gen X, we, we got through the Cold War, saw the fall of the Soviet Union, had a number of years of relative peace before 9-11 in the world, uh, and now here we go again. Now, war and pestilence, uh, the, the end times. And you know that the locust swarm in Africa has gotten even bigger, uh, larger than a country in Africa, and it's beginning to spread. People are looking at this. They're looking at the earthquakes. By the way, did you know there have been a series of earthquakes out in California over the last week, uh, the northern end of the San, San, uh, uh, San Andreas Fault? People are looking at all this, and they're like, this is the end times, isn't it? It's the end times. Listen, coming like a thief in the night, you have no idea when. Um, you're, you're, you're not supposed to think like that. And you know, there are a lot of people who are thinking, who are getting a lot of these end times thinkings. Um, it is, it is, it's interesting to me to see people focused on that when in fact, you're supposed to live in the present, uh, live in the present. Uh, don't dwell on the future. Don't dwell on the past. You know, it's really easy. C.S. Lewis gave this advice in the screw tape letters. It's really easy for people to hang on to the past. Back when I was a kid, we didn't have war and pestilence. Well, you know, that, that means that you've taken yourself out of the present. Uh, or there are people who they, oh, it's going to be better. It's going to be better later. Well, actually, you know, statistically, in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be worse around here. 
Um, so, so dwell in the present. Uh, dwell in the present. Keep your thinking in the present. Now, uh, I will take your phone calls, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Uh, I do when we come back. There are lots of people who have lots of questions about the travel restrictions, about uh, the differences between allergies and, and COVID-19. How can you tell you've got it or not? Uh, we will break that down. And in Georgia, school closings, galore, restaurant closings, Chick-fil-A closings, Want to bring you up to speed on all of that, and we got to get into the Democratic presidential debate. Oh, what joy that was to see these septuagenarians pass their bedtime arguing on a stage. It is Eric Erickson here across the state of Georgia. The phone number 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Let's go to Athens, Georgia, our flagship station, WGAU. Chris, welcome to the program. Morning, Eric. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. What's Love the going show. On? Thank you, uh, thank you. Quick, <laughs> quick note: my wife was just tested for COVID-19, and she's not showing all the symptoms, but enough that they were worried about it. The problem with it is, and I just found out from her being tested, is there's a five-day waiting period from the time you're tested until you get the results. There is the 24-hour uh, test, but it's showing about 80 percent uh, false positives, so you right. end up having to retake the test. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting you should say that because the the more I'm reading on this now, there are some new tests that are actually going to be out this week. The Mayo Clinic uh, has developed one. And Roush, you heard the president last week. Um, they're they're developing another one that that do a better job. The test the CDC developed has these false positives. Interestingly enough, um, the second test they do in a lot of cases, if you test positive, is they examine fecal matter because the virus is showing up there as well. Um, but yeah, man, um, it is bad. So now let me ask you, is your wife having the symptoms? She has a cough, um, constant cough, mm-hmm. fever. Now nah, I would, you know, go through the list and she has most of them. Oh, geez. But we thought it was allergies cause she reacts very bad negatively every single year with the, uh, Brad repairs. Right. So I thought that's what it was yesterday. She was coughing so much. She couldn't hardly breathe. Decided to go to the doctor and they said, well, there's enough going on here that we're going to test for it. Test for flu as well, negative on the flu. So just waiting for the next four days. Man, well, I, I hate it. lovely quarantine you. in the meantime. Yeah, stay inside, seriously. And and uh, definitely I will, uh, in fact, let me write, write you guys down here so I can put you all on my prayer list because this is, um, it's, well... I wish I, I wish I could could tell you everything is is hunky dory and a okay and and I hope that it is and I wish you guys the best uh, and honestly reach out if if there's anything we can do for you and I sure appreciate you calling in with this best of luck to you guys thank. You. Thanks, Eric. Absolutely. Uh, stay safe yourself. Now, uh, he mentioned Chris is calling, uh, listening to us in Athens, and there are two cases now in Athens. Let me give you the audit trail around the state of Georgia so you know. Um, and, you know, I want to start in South Georgia, actually, because that's the interesting one to me right now. Uh, we've got one confirmed case in, in Charlton County. That's down south of Waycross, uh, Lake Oconee area, Folkestone, Georgia, uh, Homeland, Georgia. Um, beyond that though, you've got in Lowndes County, you got two cases. You had one case on the 11th, you got a second case on the 15th. Uh, but then uh, this is the entry one in, in Darty County, there's been a spike in cases in Darty County, six cases and two cases in Lee County, which is the, the Northern Albany suburbs. Uh, now where's the story? 
I had the other day. There's actually a, a Georgia Health News story about what's going on down in Darty County, and it hasn't gotten a ton of national attention yet. Where is this story? Is it sad I can scroll through quickly and find the picture because it was a picture of a um, it was a, a, a picture of the local hospital, uh, Phoebe Putney, and, and I recognize Phoebe Putney. Uh, so here's the situation. This again, this is uh, Georgia Health News. The new coronavirus has struck a southwest Georgia hospital with hurricane-like force just hours after Governor Brian Kemp declared a public health emergency Saturday over the virus. Phoebe Putney Memorial Hospital officials were notified that seven of its patients tested positive for COVID-19. The Albany Hospital already had been treating another individual who tested positive. Five of the eight are hospitalized there. Three are at home. The state's reported total is 99, up from 64 on Saturday. Besides the current individuals with positive tests, this is important. Pay attention to this part here. Phoebe Putney is awaiting coronavirus test results on 41 other patients in the hospital. Each has symptoms of the disease, typically fever, and signs of acute respiratory illness, such as cough and difficulty breathing. About 30 Phoebe staff members, from doctors and nurses to housekeepers, are self-quarantining at their homes, having had contact with coronavirus patients and showing mild symptoms. It's uncharted territory, Scott Steiner, the CEO of Phoebe Putney, said uh, to Georgia Health News. We're all working 14 to 16 hours a day. Our employees and doctors have done an incredible job, but they're also stressed out. There is emotional fatigue. We are providing emotional support. Supplies are getting low for personal protective equipment, surgical gowns, masks, gloves, face masks, and goggles. We went through six months worth in five days, Steiner said. We don't have much left. Besides current hospital patients awaiting test results, 21 other Albany area residents are already awaiting results, but are still in their residencies. There's a four to six day lag in getting test results, which adds to the staff workload. The coronavirus impact at Phoebe Putney began about a week ago when a patient who eventually tested positive was visiting the Albany area for a funeral. The patient was transferred at his request from Phoebe to a Metro Atlanta hospital. The individual was not tested in Albany. The seven individuals diagnosed Saturday are community-acquired infections, and there's evidence that a number of these patients had contact with each other before hospitalization. We've been working with the Department of Public Health to investigate the connections between these patients so DPH can work to notify others who may be at risk. Hospitals around the state are beginning to see the deluge. Now, you know what's happening a lot, particularly down in South Georgia, we're seeing this. People are showing up at hospitals with flu-like symptoms and they're testing negative for the flu. Uh, I've talked to a number of state health officials who are uh, they they want to release the data at noon they don't want to keep trickling it out and start rumors although to some degree as i've told them i think some people are going to be uh, starting rumors themselves over this you've got a situation where the number of cases of people with flu-like symptoms who are testing negative for the flu is on the rise. We still have limiting t- testing capability until about Wednesday of this week when uh, major ma- pharmaceutical manufacturers will be flooding the market with COVID-19 tests. At that point, honestly, it's almost too late because we know it's now, for example, in South Georgia, there's community spread of COVID-19 and so people are getting it in the community. In this case, it's someone who went to a funeral. And it appears now that that a good number of the people down in the Albany area who have this are people who went to that funeral. And uh, so it's spreading from them to other people, which is going to make a, a serious strain on the Phoebe Putney, uh, the, the great medical center down there in Albany. 
uh, and it's going to spread throughout the state. Now, let me give you the audit trail of the state so you know beyond that. As I mentioned, there's one in Carleton County. There are two in Lowndes County. There are six in, in Darty County, one or two in Lee County. Uh, remember, they transferred out someone there. Um, there are in Clark County now. That's Athens. Uh, there are two cases in Athens. In Newton County, there's a case. In Henry County, there's a case. In Clayton County, there are two cases. In Fayette County, five cases. In Coweta County, two cases. Uh, there are 20 cases in Fulton County. There are 10 cases in DeKalb County, four in, in uh, Gwinnett County, 19 cases in Cobb County, six cases in Cherokee, nine cases in Bartow. Most of those, by the way, came from a church. There's, there's a lot of criticism uh, coming towards some churches who closed down this past Sunday. I'm seeing some smaller churches attacking larger churches for closing down. You know, Andy Stanley's uh, North Point Church in Atlanta closed all their campus locations. Um, uh, Perimeter Church in Atlanta closed. My church actually closed here in, in Macon. Most of the major churches in Macon closed. Uh, First Pres closed. I know Nor- Northway closed. Ingleside closed. I believe um, the, the Mulberry Methodist and Vineville Methodist closed. Uh, those are some of the bigger churches in the middle Georgia area. They all closed. Uh, and they're getting attacked, these churches for closing. They're getting attacked by other ministers. Don't you believe in God? God will keep you safe. Well, the Bartow County case is instructive because in Bartow County, there are now nine cases of COVID-19. Last Sunday, someone went to church in Bartow County who had the coronavirus, and these nine cases have all been traced back to that church, or most of these nine cases, I shouldn't say all of them, most of them I do believe from what I read in the AJC are traced back to that person going to church. That's why churches are closing down. In Gordon County, uh, which is Calhoun, Georgia, there are two cases. In Floyd County now, there are four cases. And in Polk County, there's one case. Now, this is one case, 46-year-old woman. She was screened in Floyd County, uh, but she's in Polk County in quarantine. Most of these are mild. There's one person dead in Georgia who had the coronavirus. And I realize that a lot of people are looking at this and you're thinking, okay, we got 99 cases. Now, this is going to go up today. Uh, there will be more cases at noon. This, the Department of Public Health in Georgia updates only at noon each day to give people the total. So at noon, right when we get out of here at noon, they'll they'll update. Uh, so I'll bring you that tomorrow. Stay tuned to your local station where you're listening to me right now. Stick around. They'll bring you the update at noon. And you're listening to this and you're thinking, this is nothing like the flu. Why are people making such a big deal out of this? This is nothing like the flu. The flu, there are thousands and thousands of people who get infected every year by the flu. There are tens of thousands of people who die. We've got uh, one person dead in Georgia, 99 cases. But that's the point. That is the point. That is the point. If this virus spreads like the flu spreads, you will have 10 times as many people dead. That's why they're making such a big deal out of it right now, because right now it is manageable. You do not want this to spread like the flu because so many people will die. That's the concern. And I've been trying to reiterate that to people. And I got to tell you, I was a bit of a jerk to an Instagram follower. I try not to be political on Instagram. I I, I really try not to. Instagram is where you'll like me the most. <laughs> Um, And I try not to be political. And I put up, in fact, let me read this to you uh, that I put up yesterday. Uh, And I'll I'll tell you why I was really a jerk. I I wound up apologizing to the guy. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't have apologized to him, but I felt like I don't like to be a jerk to people ever. 
and I was kind of a rude to this guy, but he kind of made me mad. Um, so this is what I put up on Instagram. Uh, I, I try to avoid politics on Instagram, but I know some of you are going to read politics into this because that's how people live now. The spread of this virus is serious, not just for households like mine where my wife has cancer. Unlike the flu that some of you are comparing this to, no one on the planet has any natural immunity to COVID-19. Making you stay home has nothing to do with stopping the spread. It has to do with slowing the spread. We don't have enough hospital capacity for the people who are going to get it if it continues to spread at its current rate. We've got to work together to slow the spread so that our hospitals can manage the influx of patients with the virus. This is not political. It is sound public policy. You've got zero immunity to this, and it kills 10 times more people than the flu, and there aren't enough hospital beds to help with the current spread. These are just the facts. And I got a guy who, who left a comment. I wound up deleting the comment and shutting down comments because it actually made me mad. His wife, he says, is a nurse at Emory, and uh, at Emory, they say it's no big deal, and at Emory, they say that uh, the CDC is right next door, and they've got one person there, and it's contained, and it's not spreading, and, and think about the flu, and the flu spreads, and it just, it made me mad. Um, it, I, I continue to get this now from people. You know, your anecdote is not data. Anecdotes are not data. Now you get enough anecdotes and it becomes data, but just because your sister's boyfriend's best friend's doctor's brother's mailman's son uh, works at a hospital in Dubuque and they don't have any cases there does not mean this isn't a problem. Doesn't mean it's not a problem. Your anecdote is not data. Uh, the data is yesterday there were 1,700 cases of this in the United States. Today there are 3,700 cases of this. It continues to expand nationwide. You do not want it to expand like the flu because if it expands like the flu, then 10% uh, of the people who get it will require uh, intensive care. And 1% minimum of the people who get it will die. And by the way, you do need to know that the mortality rate uh, globally is 5% when you take out China. It is really clear at this point that China has been lying about its data. It is, And you know how we know that it's really clear that China's been lying about its data? Because of Iran. Iran, we know, is also lying about its data. But there are enough people in Iran who have access to social media without a great firewall of China uh, that they can get out. And they're looking at a million infected people in Iran right now. The satellite data in Iran continues to come back in multiple parts of Iran. They are building massive football field trenches to bury bodies and cover them in lime. That suggests a major fallout uh, from the COVID-19 situation in Iran. We don't want that here. Now, we've got Western medicine, and we do have some of the best hospitals on the planet. And there actually is an ideological divide in what to do about this virus that is, is, is interesting. You know, one of the policy positions in Great Britain that they've decided to do is herd immunity. The British have decided that they are concerned about a second wave of this virus. The, the British have decided that if a second wave comes through, it could be worse than a first wave. Historically, the second wave of a coronavirus tends to be more deadly than a first wave. And so what the British have decided to do is let everybody get infected. A person will die, uh, but let everybody get infected. And it's beginning actually to overwhelm their hospitals. And it looks like they've made a bad strategic case. They've isolated the queen at Windsor Castle, keep her away from everybody. Uh, and But they want to spread it. That's why, uh, you know, the, the president said we were going to continue to allow people to come from Great Britain and Ireland. They've now shut that down. Uh, no more flights from Great Britain or Ireland. We don't want those people coming here. Anthony Fauci was all over TV in defense of this. It is um, it, it is funny 
to see people continuing to complain as this thing spreads. It was it was aggravating and also kind of funny. I got to say to see the video out of Nashville. I'm assuming it went viral on social media. All the people dancing at a bar uh, on Saturday night in Nashville, basically saying uh, "screw you, coronavirus." Uh, Nashville is is going to keep having a good time. And then on Sunday, the mayor of Nashville, it was too much for him. He shut down all the bars in downtown Nashville. Now you can't go to the bars in downtown Nashville because of the the millennials on social media gloating about hanging out. Uh, and now in New York, the governor has intervened to make de Blasio shut down bars and restaurants and schools. They were going to keep open schools. The socialist mayor of New York wanted to keep open the schools in New York City, arguing that kids need to be there to be fed. And the governor said no way and shut them down. And the mayor of New York is really upset with the governor there. These socialists out there who, who do this, by the way, there's a side commentary here we probably ought to get into about the dependence on schools to take care of your children and feed them. Uh, maybe we can reassess that because there's clearly a problem. I was going to save this for later, but j- just as a as, as a conservative, uh, l- let me just l- let me bring this up here. Uh, you know, federalism works for all of the, the national media screaming about uh, what Donald Trump has or has not done. Uh, the governors of the 50 states continue to perform well at this time. Uh, even Gavin Newsom of California had an embarrassing moment last week where he said he wasn't going to shut down Disneyland because it was unique. And then Disney came out and said, uh, yeah, Gavin, we're, we're shutting our, we're going to shut the gates now. <laughs> and so now he's come out and basically all businesses shut down, keep, keep people inside as best they can. Uh, and you got the, the governor of New York has stepped up. Mike DeWine of, of Ohio has stepped up. Governor Kemp, here, I got to give him a lot of credit uh, in Georgia. He's not making the demands that some of the other governors are making. He's essentially saying local officials in local areas need to be advised the virus is spreading. He does not want to step in yet and make demands, but he is willing to step in and make demands if the situation doesn't change. So, for example, the governor is not ordering schools to be shut down, uh, but he may very soon order all schools to shut down. He's not ordering restaurants and bars to shut down, but he may very soon order uh, restaurants and bars to shut down. He's relying on businesses to to do that. He, he's relying on businesses uh, to make the decision for themselves. And he's relying on small local governments to make decisions for themselves, knowing that he will assist them in what they do. He has now summoned 2,000 National Guard soldiers. Uh, Also, he's working with utilities. You should understand Georgia Power um, and the EMCs around the state, the, the electric membership cooperatives, they're no longer doing disconnects right now. Because uh, they know a lot of people are going to be out of work. They may not have the money to pay. They're going to get behind on their utility payments. They don't want people to be without power right now. They want to encourage people to stay home. Uh, also, I, I do have to wonder, are we going to have a situation with uh, rent and mortgages in the state? And, and I, I, I do, seriously, that's a concern. If you've got an hourly worker who depends on their paycheck and that hourly worker is required to stay home, what is the hourly worker going to do with their mortgage or their rent? 
That's one reason there are a lot of people stepping up around the state buying gift certificates at local restaurants. They can't go to the local restaurant anymore, but they're buying the gift certificate now. And I realize there are, there's accounting hanky-panky that uh, comes into play here with businesses doing this. Um, but, for example, um, so I go to a I go to a CrossFit gym. This is not me bragging about CrossFit. It's really not. It, it's I go, to, I go to a CrossFit facility. I've actually been going since October. Love it. I, I pay extra so that I can just train one-on-one with the guy uh, when there's nobody around. And I realize it's just me and him and there's nobody there. Uh, but uh, there's all the equipment other people have touched and stuff. And you can pick up this virus off of hard surfaces, last for a while. So I told him, I said, for the next couple of weeks, I'm not going to come. Uh, don't prorate me. Don't don't worry about it. Don't don't feel like you got to offset the money. Uh, you, you need this money more than I need this money to keep your facility open. I want it there when I come back. And I hope other people are making the same financial decisions. And also for people who aren't going to church, don't forget, you can still tithe. In fact, you should, your church needs your money. Even if you're not there, uh, they, they do still have operations. Nonprofits still need your help, but local businesses still need your help. Uh, your local soup kitchen needs your help. Your local food bank needs your help. Uh, my father-in-law, actually, and uh, mother-in-law, they, they operate a soup kitchen in Carroll County, and they have stopped in di- in, in in kitchen dining. Uh, you can't go there now and have a meal. They're doing to-go orders only uh, as a reasonable precaution, and we're going to start seeing this show up around the state. As this thing comes out, it is it's 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 amazing to see people step up right now, and it's something that we need to do. There are restaurants in Atlanta that are doing um, they're social distancing their tables, so they're reducing the number of people allowed in the restaurants. A lot of businesses and restaurants that haven't done to go orders are now to go only. Uh, this is something new, but there's going to be a financial impact to the restaurant industry in Georgia. There really is. So wherever you are, just consider maybe commit uh, once a week, even if you got to use DoorDash or something, uh, have meals delivered to your house. The driver can stay outside. You can wipe everything down with with uh, Lysol wipes before you bring it inside, but help your local businesses here in the state of Georgia as this goes on. When we come back, more specific Georgia update, and we got to get into the Democratic debate because it did happen. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. If you want to call in, listen, and I, I'm serious about this. If you got questions, a lot of people have questions about the spread of this virus. Some people still think it's not a big deal, and, and I understand that. I want to get into some of that. Uh, but if you got questions, you got concerns, feel free to call in 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. We will cover the Democratic debate. I, I, you know, I didn't watch it. Let me be honest here. Uh, the, the, the idea of wanting to sit up and watch two septuagenarians pass their bedtime, yell at each other over 30-year-old policy votes that they voted for or didn't vote for is just too much for me. There's too much going on in the world. They shouldn't have had it, uh, but we will get to it. I want to spend a little bit of time bringing everybody up to speed. This is what we call doing a reset in the business. It'll sound very familiar to those of you who are listening the first hour, but it is necessary. Uh, in Georgia now, we will up the, the, the totals will be updated on the coronavirus spread at uh, noon. Uh, right now, 99 cases. We know it is probably going to get close to 150 at noon uh, for a variety of reasons, in part because we can track the spread. There's a troubling story out of Albany. Phoebe Putney, uh, the hospital down there, uh, has been testing people. There is Somebody showed up there uh, the other week for a funeral. And they tested positive for the virus after the funeral. Uh, 
And now other people who have been to the funeral uh, have been tested positive. And right now you got 30 staff members at the hospital are self-quarantining. That takes them out. They've gone through, according to the uh, head of the hospital, they've gone through six months worth of protective gear in five days dealing with this stuff. Uh, they are expecting a spike in the numbers down there. They've tested 41 additional people. There are eight people who have tested positive. Uh, remember, testing is in short supply. And so there's a big concern there. Now, statewide, let me do the audit trail one more time for you. One more time, uh, just to give everybody a sense of what's going on around the state, county by county, because it has spread now. Those of you listening uh, on WGAU in Athens, you got cases there. WRGA in Rome, you got cases there. Um, Let me give you the spread. In Clark County, there are two cases. In fact, we talked to, in the first hour, we talked to a guy named Chris, and his wife is one of those who's tested positive. Uh, He's now in quarantine with her. She's got a, she had flu-like symptoms, but doesn't have the flu. Uh, what, what are these symptoms, by the way? Because, you know, um, this is one of those hold my beer moments for, for Georgia pine trees. you got all these people saying, oh, you got a cough and stuff. Uh, it might be the virus. And here comes the Georgia pollen saying, oh, wait a second. Uh, it's going to be us instead. So it, what is the general breakdown? This is this is general. This is typical. But keep in mind, there are people with atypical symptoms. Here's the situation. Uh, if you have congestion in your nose and going down the back of your throat, that's probably allergies, particularly if you're prone to getting allergies this time of year. The pollen started early. Uh, We're ahead in the season, so you're probably seasonal allergies. If it's in your head, if you've got fluid in your ears, it is allergies. If you have a dry cough, if you can't stop coughing and it's a dry cough, meaning like you got a tickle in your throat and nothing's coming up, that could be uh, the virus. If you have fever, it's not allergies. It may be the virus. Uh, Fever is a big indicator. Almost everyone, something like 87% of people will get the uh, fever and 80% will get the dry cough. Eventually, the cough becomes a cough where you cough things up out of your lungs. Not that you can tell when you cough. Is it coming from your lungs or is it coming just from the dripping down the back of your nose into your throat and you're coughing that back up? Uh, you can tell the difference between the two. If it, if it is in your head, not psychosomatic, I mean, you've actually got like congestion in your head, flu in your ears, that is more than likely allergies. If you've got a dry cough and fever, that is more than likely not allergies. Uh, you may need to call your doctor. Don't go to your doctor. Call your doctor. If you've got flu-like symptoms, you know how bad you feel when you have the flu. You're, you're, you're sluggish. You don't have energy. You got fever. You got a cough. You're tired. Your body aches. Uh, if you've got flu-like symptoms, uh, get tested for the flu. At this point, what doctors are doing because of the lack of COVID-19 tests, if you got flu-like symptoms and you don't have the flu, they're presuming that you have the virus. And it is spreading uh, socially in Georgia. So the audit again in Clark County, two cases. In Gordon County, that's Calhoun, two cases. In Floyd County, four cases. In Polk County, one case. In Bartow County, nine cases. In Cherokee County, six cases. In Cobb County, 19 cases. In Fulton County, 20 cases. In Gwinnett County, four cases. In DeKalb County, 10 cases. In Clayton County, two cases. In Fayette County, five cases. In Coweta County, two cases. In Newton County, one case. Henry County, one case. Lee County, two cases, Darty County, six cases, Lowndes County, two cases, and in Charlton County, one case. That's South Georgia. Um, those are holding steady. Again, this will be updated at noon today. 
uh, by the Georgia Department of Public Health. The governor is getting expansive powers from the state legislature. They're voting on it right now uh, to give the governor more expansive powers to ensure that he has the necessary powers needed to move quickly. The mayor of Atlanta is shutting down public events. Uh, no, uh, no gathering of more than 200 people in the city of Atlanta at this moment. The mayor is moving aggressively around the state. And again, one more, one more point before we move on to other stuff. This is all somewhat of a reset here, I realize. Um, but one more point to make for those of you who think it's no big deal. I understand your concerns. Particularly, you know, it is possible for two things to be true at once. It is possible for this to be a serious situation and also for the media to be politicizing it because it is fair. I mean, the media is politicizing and I, l- let me play these clips for you real quick. Where is this? Where is this? Where is this? Um, this is Brian Stelter on CNN's reliable sources. The country is being misinformed. I think it's fair to say the country is being lied to about this small pilot program that they are implying is going to help the entire country starting Sunday or Monday. I am sorry to say it will not help the entire country on Sunday or Monday. You know, look, maybe the president's trying to pressure Google. Maybe he thinks he's playing a game where he's pressuring the executives to get it done faster. But there's no indication that game is working. Uh, Okay. So here's the president on this. I want to thank the people at Google and Google Communications because, as you know, they uh, substantiated what I said on Friday. Uh, The head of Google, who's a a great gentleman, said uh, called us and he apologized. I don't know where the press got their fake news, but they got it someplace. But as you know, this is from Google. They put out a release and uh you guys can figure it out yourselves and how that got out and i'm sure you'll apologize but uh, it would be great if we could really give the news correctly it would be so so wonderful so uh, for those of you don't who aren't following along here on friday the president said that google would be developing a pilot website um in 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 that pilot website they would be able to get out national information on the spread of the virus recovery what's going on state by state well the media attacked it because it's not google it's alphabet google is a subsidiary of alphabet nobody knows alphabet everybody knows google the president said google and originally it was going to be a bay area project but it turns out that the president was right and brian stetler and cnn were wrong google is trotting this out across the board is trotting this out nationwide and everybody's blowing up about it uh, claiming the president got it wrong when the president got it right of course the media is doing this by the way i'm i'm getting text messages from inside the state legislature right now um the house of representatives this is ridiculous uh, the governor has an emergency declaration the Senate has voted to give the governor emergency powers here in Georgia. Uh, the state house is holding it up now. The state house wants to get a bunch of old people in the state house to come back in in 30 days and re-ratify it. You've already got one member of the state house who's self-quarantining. This is kind of ridiculous, actually. Uh, And, and, you know, I'm one for limiting the power of the executive here, uh, but we know that the viral situation is going to be worse in 30 days, given its spread. And so the House of Representatives, you heard the governor say he was on the program Friday, the, the, the state House and state Senate decided they wanted to shut down and go home. And. They've come back today to ratify the governor's emergency declaration. The Senate gave it to him and wants to get out of Dodge. And the House is saying, no, no, we want to come back in 30 days and do this all over again. 
I understand the constraints, but can we do 60 instead of 30 as a compromise? Because in 30 days, we know the way the virus is spreading. The CDC says it may actually be worse than it is right now. This is kind of ridiculous that they would. This is all a power play by the Speaker of the House uh, at his age and health. He shouldn't be coming back in 30 days. Uh, he should be self-quarantining right now to avoid getting sick. Goodness gracious. Uh, this is not smart by the House. And, and it's all I, I realize they're doing this. So we can't give the governor of the state of Georgia unlimited powers like we're giving him. It must come with a repeal provision. OK, so make it 60 days, make it 90 days. 30 days is nuts, given what we know about the trajectory of the disease. If it doesn't get under control, that's just just silly. But then that's the state house. That is the state house representatives. By the way, speaking of silly, I, I got to play this audio. This is Devin Nunes, the 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 uh, congressman from California, giving very bad advice to people. Well, most importantly, I think what American people have to understand is we need to stop panicking here. Okay, there's no there's no shortage of food in this country. Uh, people don't need to go to the store and fight over a bottled water or toilet paper. Uh, I come from the breadbasket of the world, right here in the San Joaquin Valley. Uh, we want people to go out and buy food. But there's no shortage of food. The, the main thing that people need to focus on, it's, it's just a couple issues. Number one, if you're sick at all, be smart. Stay away from people. So far, so good. Number two, if you know someone that is senior or, or if you have an underlying health condition, especially with your lungs, you are at high risk. Mm -hmm. So we need to focus all of our energy on our senior population with underlying health concerns. Yes. There is no reason, Maria, for the American people to be running uh, to the grocery store to buy 27 packs of, of toilet paper. Yes, that is all absolutely right. And then he went on to say that everyone should go to bars and restaurants if they're healthy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I screwed up the audio clip. I, I had it cut off before he said that. Uh, that's my fault. But yeah, he went on to say all of what he just said there is perfectly good. It's it's perfectly good. And then he urges people to go out to restaurants and bars if they're healthy. <sighs> Don't do that, people. This is why we're supposed to be self-quarantining. Let's go to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, let, let's play a lot of Dr. Fauci here because why he's the expert. I'm not. And you should listen to the experts if you're not going to listen to me. And Fauci's the guy everybody relies on. By the way, it's really, really funny to me. You got a lot of people in the media out there said, oh, the president got this wrong. The president should have done this. The president should have done this instead. The president should have. And here comes Fauci. And he's just just they're like, oh, whatever Anthony Fauci says is, is the gold standard. And Fauci comes out directly contradicts all the people in the media. It says, no, the president's travel bans were good. We need more of this. So they're like, well, uh -huh. in fact, on MSNBC, they've gone so far as to begin attacking Anthony Fauci for daring to be a yes man to the president it, because he, he's not telling them what they want to hear. All they want to hear is orange man bad. And so Fauci comes on. He says, no, actually, he's doing good stuff. They're like, oh, Fauci, he's become a partisan hack. Uh, wow. I don't think it's going to be that worse because I think what we're doing is going to have an effect. And, and for example, the president's decision to to essentially have a major blocking of, of travel from China, that already had an effect of not seeding mm -hmm. the way in Europe. Italy didn't do that. And my I feel so badly because I have so many friends there. Yeah. They're getting hit hard. What we're doing now with the other travel restrictions. So you block infections from coming in and then within is when you have containment and mitigation and that's the reason why the kinds of things we're doing that may seem like an overreaction will keep us away from that worst case scenario 
Things that will look like an overreaction will keep us away from the worst case scenario. Here he is a little more. And I mentioned on the show last week that we need to get the private sector involved. And just a couple of days ago, we had the CEOs there who are going to be now putting it on full overdrive. So I would expect that very soon. When I say soon, I'm talking about days to to a week where you're going to start to see it go up like this. Not everybody tomorrow is going to be able to get a test, but pretty soon you're going to see a major escalation. And by the way, he's urging people, if you don't have any symptoms, don't go get a test uh, because the hospital systems are already flooded with people coming in to try to get tests. And uh, they're just you're overburdening hospitals by panicking. Now, listen, I'm a hypochondriac. I mean, I, I'm convinced I'm already dead from the coronavirus because I, I've had it so bad and I haven't actually had it. But every time I get in my car by myself, I'm like, is that a dry cough or is that a wet cough? Do I have fever or do I just feel flushed? I've been to the gym. By the way, you know, for my wife can't even remember. Do you all know the band Oasis? Charlie, if you're listening to this, uh, my producer down the line, uh, if you're listening to this, this, I thought this was an urban legend fake stuff, uh, but I actually pulled up the news article uh, and it appears to be real. Just I say appears to be real. Remember the band Oasis from from the 90s? Um, uh, they, they had a series of hits and it was Noel and Liam Gallagher, two brothers who hate each other's guts and inevitably would wind up in a fist fight with each other on stage at all their concerts, which made them all worth going to. Not that I ever went, but nonetheless, uh, Liam Gallagher apparently believed the, over the weekend that he had contracted COVID-19 and called for doctors to come to his home to test him instead of going to the hospital. And it turns out someone had accidentally turned the heater on in his house. Uh, and that's why he was feeling hot. It sounds too good to be true, and yet the media reports that that actually happened. And knowing a little bit about that guy, I can totally believe it happened. By the way, speaking of that, I have decided with everybody... Uh, With everybody homebound and everybody locked up in their houses, uh, I will send out recipes uh, hopefully every day this week. I've been logging them uh, to get them out. Uh, Stuff you can make probably with stuff you've got at your house or stuff you can still easily find. Uh, if you got to make a quick grocery store run, uh, you know, uh, kudos to Publix. I, I don't know what all the other grocery stores are doing, but Publix is my favorite grocery store chain. And they are shutting down now nationwide and all their and they're only in the southeast, I think. But they're shutting down at 8 p.m. every night uh, to do store cleanings and restockings. And man, food is coming fast and furious into these grocery stores and people are still having it fly off the shelves in panic. Uh, going into quarantine mode, and and I totally understand it, but I I, I still I, I think people have been over panicked on the toilet paper. If we can admit it, uh, I'm still concerned because I really really want to go to my beach house in Hilton. Now I don't actually own the beach house. We're renting a beach house for a week for spring break in Hilton Head, uh, same house we rent all the time. And I want to be quarantined at the beach house. I, I want to be locked away there and unable to leave. And in fact, when it's time to come home, have people say, no, you're not actually allowed to leave. You must stay here. Now, I don't know who will pay for that. I assume the state will pay for it. <laughs> You people will pay for my vacation. <laughs> I don't know, but man, I really, I just, I want to get to the beach in two weeks. That that's that's all, that's all I want. Um, we'll see. In any event, uh, we'll we'll see how this continues to to shape up. Uh, now, 
Uh, we got other stuff uh, that we should talk about. Uh, but uh, let me mention real quick, Delta is cutting back 40%. Delta will be cutting back. It's grounding 300 airplanes. It's cutting back 40% of its travel. It is asking people to take unpaid leave. I, I'm... I don't know that you got an incentive there, although kudos to the CEO of Delta. He's he's not going to take a salary for the next six months uh, as other people are going to be through hard times. And then you've got Chick-fil-A now shutting down all their dining rooms. By the way, I didn't know this. So I read it this morning. Seventy percent of Chick-fil-A's business comes through its drive throughs which I can believe given how backed up the drive throughs get. Uh, please remember small businesses. Please, please, please remember small businesses um, because a lot of restaurants in the state are going to be on hard times right now. Uh, I want to get back to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, He's talking about the travel ban. I mean, obviously, the travel restrictions have been, in my mind, a very, very positive way that we have prevented uh, more of the input from outside in that would seat us and make our, our, our job more difficult. And then we have, as I've mentioned, the containment and the mitigation from within. You're going to be hearing more about advanced guidelines about that, more precise instructions of how we can implement this mitigation within the community. And I got to play this moment because this one annoys me. It's Brianna Keeler on CNN, uh, too clever by half when it comes to Dr. Fauci. The news conference that you held on Friday, President Trump said that Google was working on a website that very quickly would help Americans get access to tests. Well, apparently that was news to Google. Uh, They're now working with the government, but officials in California told my colleague Jake Tapper they were actually stunned to hear the president say this because they had a pilot program that was set to launch next, next week only in California or part of California, and they were going to present it to the Trump administration, but there was not this nationwide initiative okay. ready to go. We've conflated two things there that are confusing. Google and their website that gives you instructions about where and how you can get a test is different from the availability of tests. Okay, so the Google right now they were talking about, we have a website up and we'll be at information and it's kind of a pilot. But still, apart from that, having the test available in, in, in commercial places where you can get it are not absolutely wed to Google's website. You could still get tested if their website isn't up the way it should be. I understand, but if the president is essentially saying that Google has a website <clears throat> or is putting tremendous resources towards a website that is going to give people this information, right. and that isn't the case, right. uh, how, can American pe- how can the American people trust that an effective response? How can they trust an effective response? It turns out Google is doing it. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. We need to talk about the bailout package. Uh, the Senate will be meeting on this this uh, virus bailout package today. It's a garbage package written by K Street lobbyists to benefit Fortune 500 companies at the expense of small businesses. The abortion lobby got involved. It's terrible, terrible legislation. Uh, awful to see that the president supports it. Frankly, I, I think the president's being badly misled by his advisors. Uh, my buddy Chip Roy, he's been on the program before. He's the congressman in uh, the 21st Congressional District of Texas, put up a thread on this. He voted against it. Let me read this thread to you. Um, the bill was badly flawed. It purports to help people by putting a massive mandate on small and medium-sized businesses while perpetuating the K Street corporate welfare cronyism Americans are sick of, exempting businesses over 500. Worse yet, 
yet the mandate was to be paid later through tax credits, and the tax credits won't actually cover the cost. It's a terrible mistake, and the Senate, or the House, and its technical corrections, it's hurrying to the floor to clean up this mess, ought to correct it. Small business owners have reached out to me to ask what we can do to help stop this so they won't be hurt. In short, it does no good to mandate paid leave from a job that doesn't exist because the business went under. To solve that problem, I suggest, and would have on Friday had we had any chance to amend it, offered very expansive and immediate small business loans and other measures to keep businesses afloat through the negative impacts of government calls to stay home. Due to the action and recommendation of government leaders of all levels, we are facing massive slowdown for restaurants, retail, the arts, travel, hotels, and more. It is fully and wholly unsustainable for most. Therefore, we have a duty to find ways to inject capital and help them stay afloat and tie any temporary sick leave requirements to the choice of the business to take the loan rather than through the force of penalty. We should get busy using tax relief, be it with deferred tax filings or quarterly payments, payroll taxes or otherwise, to provide immediately re- immediate relief. And for the unfortunate folks who, starting this week, are l- likely getting laid off due to direct government action, particularly in the service industry, we're going to have to find ways beside taxes to provide additional relief. It's not clear the unemployment insurance relief in the House bill will sufficiently or effectively deal with the magnitude of the impact on service industry workers. Our goal should be simple. Ensure we get on top of testing, supply chain problems, and our ability to respond to the virus nationwide. Ensure ample liquidity and capital for businesses being hammered by both the virus and much more. Our response to it to survive and ensure relief for American citizens also getting hammered because, frankly, they will be laid off due to directly government calls for folks folks to sequester themselves. To be clear, our biggest imperative is that we get through this quickly and keep businesses going through a multifaceted approach. Besides loans for liquidity... It's important that we encourage creative thinking in both commerce and charity. For example, encouraging Americans to buy gift cards for food, offering double or triple tipping, and even encouraging modified approaches to eating out by ramping up more delivery and pickup options. It's already happening in the private sector, but we should find ways to expand it and encourage it through deregulation, such as what Governor Abbott's already done in Texas. Transportation and trucking, or perhaps empty hotels, can be used to deal with some of the health care overflow. We should encourage and mix government support combined with charity. Uh, and he goes on with this. So here, here's the big problem, just so you understand it. The government, the federal government, the Congress in this bailout package uh, wants paid leave for employees, but only for businesses that employ 500 people or less. Above 500 people, you've got Fortune 500 companies and, and, and larger businesses that um, are not going to be impacted because either there are Fortune 500 companies that may already do this or they're just they don't have to because the government says they're exempt. The, the problem here is is let's take let's take a restaurant. Uh, those of you who are familiar with local restaurants, and I'm not talking chain restaurants. I'm not talking your Chili's or your your Outback Steakhouse. I'm I'm my favorite restaurant in Georgia is a place up in Roswell, Georgia, on Restaurant Row called Table in Maine. Uh, they're open in the evenings. They're not open for lunches. That They have a small, loyal staff that has been there for a long time. They're wonderful people, fantastic meal. If you ever get up to Roswell, uh, go to Table in Maine. I love that place. And every every area has one. Uh, just, I mean, a not, not even half a mile from me in Macon, there is a fantastic Italian restaurant called Natalia's. Uh, one of the, the best Italian restaurants in the entire state of Georgia. Uh, it's, I mean, just a few blocks from my house. 
And again, they're open in the evening, their hours are limited, their days are limited, uh, they're a small business, uh, and they're going to be impacted by a government mandating that they pay their employees to stay home. People can't come to the restaurant and eat, and yet they've still got to spend money on their employees. And the way the government wants to pay this to them or or reimburse them for doing this is through a tax credit. So in other words, they're going to pay their employees all their salaries, their average salary, to stay home and not come to work. And then next year when they file taxes, they will be able to take a credit for the money that they paid their employees to not work. Well, if their taxes are not as much as what they shelled out, well, then they're going to eat the loss. What Congressman Roy and others are proposing is essentially zero interest loans to small businesses that can be paid back beginning at a later date so the federal government can float the payroll for these uh, for these employees who are forced to stay home. And then over time, uh, at low to no interest, the the companies can pay back the federal government for helping them meet payroll, which seems to be a smarter idea because the businesses will know for certain that they're able to get the money they need to be able to to float people at home. You know, the other thing is that uh, Pelosi and the Democrats have insisted for abortion coverage be put in place in this legislation. They want to ensure that Planned Parenthood gets funded in order to move this forward, which is silly. It has nothing to do with this. In fact, we know from a bunch of countries where people with COVID-19 are pregnant, they're giving birth to children, that the children are fine. Now, in some cases, uh, young kids are very susceptible to the virus, uh, but by and large, the, the young are not, uh, the younger having the fewest symptoms. But it's just, a, it, it's a silly, silly, silly way for people to deal with the situation, it is a political gamesmanship, much like we're seeing in the Georgia legislature here. We got this Georgia legislature uh, situation where they are, uh, the, the state Senate tells the governor, you take this emergency power. We'll see you sometime later to get it back. And the House, which is composed of a bunch of uh, geriatrics, is saying, we want to come back in 30 days and renew it. We know from the trajectory of this virus that you don't want to go to the state house in 30 days. You want to stay away from Atlanta for the next 30 days if you can help it. And yet they want to come back in. These geriatrics want to come back in and redo the power. Now, listen, I understand not wanting to give the governor an unlimited power that doesn't have an expiration date. I do as a limited government conservative, please, that, that, that troubles me. By the way, I, I, Governor, if you're listening, I know people from the governor's office are listening. I really do want to go to the beach in a couple of weeks, and I have a house that I'm going to. It's not a resort. So please don't ban travel on the interstates uh, or, or anywhere else. I really want to get to my beach house. <laughs> I'm, listen, I can be selfish in this. At least I'm not one of the millennials in the bars in Nashville the other night saying, who cares about the virus? We're out having fun. By the way, have you seen, I can't play the video because it's gay. <laughs> Oh, the words that the millennials are using, but they've actually got three millennials. Someone stuck a camera in their face and they said, basically, well, the government hasn't told us what to do. So we're just going out and having a good time until the government tells us what to do. It it actually is somewhat funny to me to see all of these, these millennials who want socialism, 
who they don't they can't do anything unless the government tells them to do it. But then have them rather say, screw you, government, we're going to go out and have a good time anyway. Wait until you give the government the power you want the government to have and then see if you're still doing it. My goodness gracious. By the way, there's some breaking news happening right now. The United States Supreme Court is suspending oral arguments. It is the first time uh, since the Spanish flu outbreak of 1918 that the United States Supreme Court has suspended oral arguments in the court. That that gives you an extent to how much they're, they're taking it seriously. My goodness gracious. Um, so... We got all these millennials who aren't paying attention to the government. They want more government. They're not going to pay attention to the government. And now you got the state legislature here in Georgia, the Senate saying, yeah, governor, declare a state of emergency, take all our power. And the House say, no, no, we want to come back in 30 days. All of us old people with emphysema want to come back to Atlanta in 30 days and re-ratify it. I Can we compromise on 90 seriously? It seems like we should be able to compromise on 90 days. I, I, I agree. We don't want the governor to have unlimited power in perpetuity from the state legislature. I do agree. But 30 days seems a little bit not long enough for him to be able to exercise. Now, what is the power, by the way, that the governor wants? Uh, the power that the governor wants is power to essentially uh, make demands on private businesses he would otherwise not be allowed to make without legislative approval. Uh, this, in large part, I suspect, I don't know, this is speculation on my part based on what other governors are talking about, is if there are near hospitals, you know, oftentimes there are hotels near hospitals, and a lot of these hotels are going to have excess capacity. And so maybe we need to put us uh, overflow patients there. Again, speculation on my part. Uh, it may very well be that we need to get private manufacturers to uh, make people stay home. And he would have that control. He will also be able to order schools to be closed in a way right now he's just asking them to be closed. He would be able for certain without litigation against him to be able to order restaurants and bars to close. And again, he's not doing that right now. The governor in Georgia is not doing that. He's just asking them to be responsible and he's praising the businesses that are. He's praising Georgia Power and the state EMCs for not turning people's power off because they can't make their power bill this month because they're out of work due to the virus. He's praising Chick-fil-A uh, for shutting down in-store dining and, and Delta for cutting back capacity. He doesn't want to order stuff. Uh, he's trying to get people to do the right thing. Uh, this is good, uh, and he wants to step it up some and have these powers. There are schools, for example, uh, schools in middle Georgia, many of them, decided they're going to stay open a little, uh, a few days this week. Uh, some of them have shut down Houston County, which is the Warren Robins area, for those of you familiar with it, was going to be open. They've now shut down. Bibb County was going to be open through Wednesday. They're now just going to be open today, and starting tomorrow, they're going to distance learning. My, my kid's private school. Uh, was going to be open through Wednesday. We decided to go on and keep our kids home because we're considered a high-risk family and don't want to be out and about with this stuff, uh, minimize our interactions with other people. So uh, your mileage may vary on that, but around the state, we're starting to see big school closures for several weeks. And, you know, spring break is coming up for a lot of these schools. They've been banking on spring break anyway, so that they may have to carry over into the summer a little longer. Uh, some of these schools have snow days baked in and weather days baked in that they haven't had to use because we haven't had bad weather. So they'll be able to make up some of the stuff. There'll be distance learning, telelearning, that sort of stuff for kids who have Internet access. But, you know, in rural Georgia, th this is why it's a difficult thing. You know, in, in parts of Georgia, you people have windstream and everybody who calls this program whenever I talk about internet service talks about how much it sucks. I, I don't have it. I don't know. 
Um, but everybody seems to complain about it. It's it's satellite. Now, there's a reason that it's bad, just so you understand. Uh, l- let me explain the dynamics of satellite internet and why it's not good. Um, for starters, you know, how far across this country are we? Just a, a few thousand miles from coast to coast? Um, an internet line with light speed uh, going coast to coast does not take nearly as much time as your satellite internet, which must go up to a satellite that's in a stationary orbit 100,000 miles up and come back down 100,000 miles. Um, or, or not necessarily that far. It's more like 30 to 50,000 miles up and back down again. Um, the moon is about a hundred, I guess, 60,000 miles away, but you got these, these satellites up there at minimum, they're 25,000 miles. And so you're shooting a signal 25,000 miles up, 25,000 miles back down, and then you got to go 25,000 miles back up and 25,000 miles back down to send the data. As opposed to a, a fiber line that goes cross country a couple thousand miles, it moves much faster. That's why inter- satellite internet is not nearly as good as landline internet. But you got kids in rural Georgia whose schools are closing down and they got to telecommute uh, to school and their parents are having to telecommute to work in some cases and, and the internet sucks. Because it's a satellite, uh, because it's got got to travel that fast. It's got buffering and lag and all that stuff you got to deal with that your standard fiber doesn't have. It, it becomes a problem. All of these things are complicated, and there really aren't easy solutions. And you got all these these socialists out there saying, "Oh, the government could just print money." No, the government can't just print money. It'll cause all sorts of uh, deleterious effects on the economy if you did that. By the way, speaking of, I should tell you: Are you prepared for this? Ah, pray now, God have mercy on my portfolio. The Dow right now, it is 10.50 a.m. The Dow is down 1,800 points. NASDAQ down 600 points. S&P 500 down 200 points. The NASDAQ down 960, or I'm sorry, the New York Stock Exchange down 960 points. It is not a good day on the stock market. Uh, Not a good day at all. The White House apparently is going to come out with another press conference at about three this afternoon, hoping to calm the fears of the market. You know, they did this on Friday and the market rebounded after the president's press conference. It closed on a high note. They're hoping to be able to redo this again with the market. All right. I'm tired of talking about the virus. There's still viral news. As stuff develops, I'll bring it to you. But we do need to talk about the two septuagenarians who, after their bedtime last night, continued to argue with each other on CNN. I don't even know how many people paid attention to it. I do have to say, as much as the candidates did not shine, CNN really has done a better job of doing these debates during the Democratic primary than any other network out there. And perhaps they should continue to be the ones in charge of them moving forward. I mean, the others, man, some of those debates have been horrible. This one was actually done at CNN Studios. It was going to be a big debate in Arizona, but given the viral spread, they shut it down, moved it to the studio in Washington, D.C. Dana Bash, Jake Tapper, and others participated. They did a good job. The candidates, not so much. There's a relevant question floating on social media. What do we call the kids who will inevitably come from the baby boom that's going to happen in nine months. So all the self-quarantining people, you self-quarantining with your significant other, uh, in, in nine months, uh, there's going to be a kid. And uh, I'm seeing lots of people say we're obviously going to have to, in 13 years, call these kids quarantines. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Wow. Um, my goodness, uh, 
I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, let, let me let me play you a, a little more here. As the media begins to just, I mean, they really are. We'll we'll get to the um, we'll get to the Democratic debate, uh, but I, I gotta I gotta play you a little more Anthony Fauci, and I gotta play you some of uh, the others out there who are actually rising to the defense of the Trump administration. Here is one more from Doctor Fauci. I do think one of the important points of illustrating for people the number of people who could die is that it really makes it clear to them why it's so important to do what they should be doing. So uh, to stem the tide of this, are, are you thinking that hundreds of thousands of Americans could die from this? You know, I say that and it sometimes gets taken out of context, but we have to be realistic and honest. Yes, it is possible. Our job, our challenge is to try and make that not happen. But to think if we go about our daily lives and not worry about everything, that it's not going to happen. It could happen and it could be worse. To me, that's a real impetus to take very seriously the kinds of things. I might make a point that people sometimes think that you're overreacting. I like it when people are thinking I'm overreacting because that means we're doing it just right. He really would like to shut down the country right now. Uh, and they're probably not because there are competing interests and it, it sounds very crass, but in, in the Democrats can attack the president for this, but there are real economic concerns. If, if you order, for example, uh, Jim Scudo, who is a, uh, Obama person who now works for CNN as a reporter is circulating a tweet that there are reports inside the white house. They're considering a nationwide shutdown. Businesses will have to close at a certain time of night. Katie Miller, the vice president's press secretary has come out and said, nope, not true. Uh, not true at all. And yet CNN is running this story and, and that's going to cause some panic out there. It's going to cause more market turmoil that reporters are reporting the rumor, not the fact. But Fauci would like to do this. And then let's just be understandable here. There are competing concerns out there. There are competing concerns because you do have uh, you, you do have this this economic situation to deal with. You do have businesses that, that some of them have very thin margins. So if you shut them down, what do you do? Do they go out of business? Do people lose their jobs? What do you do for the people who are hour, hourly workers and you want to keep them home and they're not going to get paid? How do they make their mortgage? How do they make their rent? Uh, how do they pay for their health care? What do you do with health care? What do you do with hospitals? All of these things. These are difficult decisions. Uh, you, you cannot make the, the decision based on unicorn farts and rainbows. You've got to actually have some substantive concerns here. You've got to have some actual substantive discussions and policy concerns. And also, we got $24 trillion in national debt. The country's on the verge of bankruptcy. So what do you do? And now the feds having lowered interest rates to zero gives them no more flexibility in lowering rates. They're not going to go to negative rates. It turns out in Europe, negative rates have been shown to actually hurt the economy, not help the economy. So they don't want to go in that direction. Uh, so we got all these concerns that have to be dealt with. There are some real, real, real uh, public policy concerns. And the idea from a lot of Democrats that the government can just print money and take care of this stuff is a bunch of silliness. Um, you got to you. We do have to be concerned out there. And what do we do with, about Americans traveling? You know, I mean, I, I, I'm in jest that, that I, I do want to go to the beach in two weeks when we do have a house we're going to. So we're not going to a resort, but you can't really shut down travel. And you can't really shut down travel because there aren't enough police to be able to enforce it. Uh, people are going to be doing it. 
Uh, and then what do you do with those people? Do you make them go home? Do you lock them up and they potentially have a virus and they get people in, in jail sick? These are all major concerns that are playing out in real time and people don't have answers and no one has the good grace to allow anyone to make mistakes along the way. And we're probably going to have to start showing each other a little grace along the way as people start making mistakes on this. When we come back, yes, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, we will finally get to the Democratic debate. God have mercy on our souls. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the state of Georgia, six after the hour. The phone number 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425 is the phone number. Let me give you the quick update here. We've got now uh, in the last hour, the number's gone up to 3,813 confirmed COVID-19 cases in the nation. 69 deaths, 12 recovered. Uh, The 12 recovered covered, just so you understand what we're looking at here, why that number has barely budged. Last At the beginning of last week, it was 8. It went up to 12 at the end of last week and has stayed there. Um, it's because they're not counting recovered unless you have a second test to show no symptoms. And because testing is in short supply, they're not actually uh, doing the tests on people who no longer have symptoms. They're presuming them recovered, uh, but not confirming them recovered. Uh, the, the spread is nationwide. Nationwide. The worst of it is in the Washington State area. Uh, hospitals at Washington State now are overwhelmed. There are 726 active cases there, 769 total with 42 deaths and one recovered. So 722 still active uh, in California. Uh, There are in the Los Angeles area, there are 446 active cases in New York. Now there are uh, 740 active cases, uh, six deaths uh, for a total of 746 Massachusetts, 164 cases uh, total 163. Now one recovered, no deaths. Uh, It continues to explode in New Jersey, 107 active cases here in Georgia right now, uh, 111 cases. Uh, actually 110 cases, one dead, uh, 109 really, because one recovered. The state has not yet released their, let me, let me make sure, go to the Georgia Department of Public Health, uh, and make sure that I have the active totals for you. They're updating every day, uh, at noon. And so right now, officially they have what 99 cases in the state and one death. Uh, but according to Johns Hopkins, based on available information, they actually have 111, and that number will be going up as well. They suspect there are a number of cases down in South Georgia of people who have the flu, but do not actually um, do not actually. Uh, they're testing negative for the flu, but they have flu-like symptoms. They're presumed to have the coronavirus. We'll see. The president will be giving an update, as will the vice president later today. The governor continuing to update people. I want to move on, though. We spent a lot of time on this, and and there's national news we got to talk about as well. The Democratic debate happened last night. I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers on how watched it was. Uh, but uh, these, these septuagenarians past their bedtime. CNN did a great job. The candidates, not so much. Here, here's Joe Biden with one slip of the tongue. Any woman who crosses the border or is here and being beaten by her husband, but she's an undocumented, she cannot be deported because she reports. There are certain things you can not deport an undocumented alien for, an, an undocumented person for. And that would be one of them. 
An alien? Wait, did he just call? Did he call um an alien? I thought the Democrats didn't use that word. And then, of course, there's Bernie Sanders. One of the things that, that goes on when you have that process is that not only the psychological terror, and I've talked to these kids. Kids are scared to death in America when they come home from school that their mom or dad may not be there, may be uh, deported. Uh what we need to do uh, is to end, and I will end this on day one, uh, the ICE raids uh, that have been so harmful to so many uh, people. And we need to do, again, what the American people want us to do. I'm the son of an immigrant. This is a country significantly built by immigrant labor, built by slave labor. And what we have got to do is appreciate each other and end this demonization and divisiveness Okay, there's a problem here with the Democrats taking this line. And by the way, uh, it is very clear that Joe Biden is tacking to the left to lock down the Bernie Sanders supporters. I don't know that it's going to work. My buddy, John Davidson, who writes over at The Federalist, uh, really is one of the best go-to people when it comes to things happening south of the border. Uh, let me read you some of what he's got uh, in uh, the in the Federalist today. Uh, let me read you the, the beginning of his piece here. As much of the world goes into various stages of lockdown because of the Wuhan coronavirus, Mexico is in denial. The government's response thus far has been to downplay the risks and carry on with life as normal. Mexican officialdom has taken almost no steps to contain the virus or prepare for an outbreak, despite a warning last week from the deputy health minister that a widespread outbreak is inevitable and that community transmission could begin there in a matter of weeks. When that happens, not if, but when, things are going to deteriorate very quickly in Mexico. The outbreak will almost certainly affect the entire country, cripple the economy, and threaten to bring down an already weak and corrupt government. As of Saturday, there were only 41 confirmed cases in Mexico where the disease was first detected at the end of February, about a month after it was detected in the United States. But there are likely many more infections across the country. Uh, Francisco Marino Sanchez, head of internal medicine at the ABC Hospital in Mexico City, said last week there will be many more cases in Mexico and that the government is taking the risk of an outbreak too lightly. The effects of an undetected outbreak, he added, will be brutal. Yet the governments refuse to take the threat seriously. Late last week, Mexican President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador was mobbed by supporters at an airport before flying to Acapulco to speak at a bankers conference and then hold a series of campaign style rallies in the region. As recently as last week, a Lopez Obrador was dismissing the need for caution with statements like you have to hug. Nothing is going to happen. The president has apparently taken his own advice. Video circulated on social media over the weekend of the president embracing and kissing supporters at a rally where he declared the misfortunes, of the pandemic are not going to do anything to us. All of the confirmed cases in Mexico so far have come from travelers arriving from Italy, Spain, and the United States. Yet his administration has imposed no international travel restrictions nor taken any steps to tighten the border. According to one news report, passengers on a flight that arrived Friday in Mexico City from Spain, which imposed sweeping emergency regulations over the weekend, passed through passport control and customs with no health surveys or temperature screenings. 
The private sector is following the government's lackadaisical approach. Some large-scale events have been delayed or canceled, but many haven't. Over the weekend, the massive Viva Latino Music Festival in Mexico City drew more than 100,000 people to six stages over two days. Mexico's Professional Soccer League has refused to cancel matches, and the National Autonomous University in Mexico City has announced it will not suspend large gatherings until March 23rd. The annual Festival de Mexico... Uh, a sprawling two-week arts and cultural festival in Mexico City's historic district is going ahead later this month. About the only cautionary measure Mexican officials have taken is to push up the start of Easter break by two weeks to March 20th. Now, obviously, it should concern us that a major country south, directly south of us is not taking this seriously. And I know what you people are thinking because I can hear it in the force. I'm so in tune with you people. I know what you're thinking right now. Hey, Siri, what's the temperature in Mexico City going to be today? It's going to be 75 degrees in Mexico City today. And you're thinking, well, the heat kills this virus. The virus doesn't grow in the heat. And thank God for our weather here in Georgia yesterday in the beautiful 80s. Except there's a problem. We don't know. We don't know. And that's that's one of the 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 misstatements that a lot of people are making here is some viruses don't like the heat. It's true. Some viruses don't like the heat. But we don't know about this virus yet. Maybe, maybe so. Some coronaviruses um, will spread in the heat. Some won't. We don't know yet about this one. Now, uh, there are a lot of. There's a growing consensus that maybe the, the the warm weather above 75 degrees is good, but it's only at 75 in Mexico City, which means it's not yet at the temperatures to stop it. So we're not exactly sure. So it, it really doesn't help the Democrats, I think, uh, to say essentially we're going to have open borders and let these people come in and stay here. And and this is the Trump administration is going to come back on these people. By the way, uh, speaking of, of the virus and the Democrats, here's Joe Biden. And in concert with all the forces that we need to bring to bear to deal with the crisis now. So no one's thrown out of their home. No one loses their mortgage. No one is kicked out of their house. No one loses their paycheck. No one is in a position where they have a significant financial disability as a consequence of this SARS, of this particular crisis. SARS, he called it. Well, then here's Joe Biden calling it something else. And we can do that. We did that. We've been through this before with the coronavirus. We've been through this before. I mean, excuse me. We've been through this before with uh, dealing with the viruses that the N1H15, as well as what happened in Africa. The N1H, no, it's H1N1. Um, yeah, well, you think Joe Biden calling it SARS or, or N1H1 is bad? Listen to Bernie Sanders. The Ebola crisis, in my view, exposes the dysfunctionality of our healthcare system and how poorly prepared we are despite how much money that we spend. And the Ebola crisis is also, <laughs> I think, exposing the, the Ebola crisis and the unjustness of our economy today. Uh, we have more income and wealth inequality in America today than any time in 100 years. <clears throat> and what that means that in the midst of this crisis, you know, if you're a multimillionaire, no one's happy about this crisis. You're going to get through it. You're going to get everything you need. You're not worried about health care. You're not worried about income coming in. Half of our people are living paycheck to paycheck. We got 
people who are struggling working two or three jobs to put food on the table. What is going to happen to them? So the lesson to be learned is we have got to move aggressively right now to address the economic crisis as a result of Ebola, uh, as a result, keep talking about Ebola, you got Ebola in my head here right now, as a result of the <laughs> virus here, the, the coronavirus. What we have got to do also is understand the fragility of the economy and how unjust and unfair it is that so few have so much and so many have so little. Oh, that sounds very Karl Marx, doesn't it? Uh, by the way, he doubled down in defense of, of dictators and uh, it, it, China as well. It was actually kind of amazing. Joe Biden went after him on this. The idea of occasionally saying something nice about a country is one thing. The idea of praising a country that is violating human rights around the world is, in fact, makes our allies wonder what's going on. What do you think the South Koreans think when we praise, or he praises China like that? What do, you think, what do you think the Australians believe in the shadow of China? What do you think is happening in, in Indonesia in the shadow of China? What do you think is happening in terms of Japan in the shadow of China? The words matter. These are flat-out dictators, period. And they should be called for it, straight up. We may have to work out, for example, I was able to help negotiate uh, a new START agreement with Russia. Not because I like Putin. Mm -hmm. The guy's a thug. The guy's a thug. It's nice to hear a Democrat call out Bernie Sanders for his love affair with dictators. It really is. Uh, but, you know, um, here, here's a little more Sanders. There, there's a method to, to my madness here in playing this particular clip of Bernie. Listen. Well, first of all, uh, the dysfunctionality of the current healthcare system is obviously apparent. Uh, as I said earlier, there are people who hesitate to go to the doctor. You're gonna have a maze of regulations. Well, if this is my income, if that's my income, can I get it, can I not get it? Clearly, we are not prepared, and Trump only exacerbates the crisis. When we spend twice as much per capita on healthcare as any other nation, one might expect that we would have enough doctors all over this country. One might expect that we would have affordable prescription drugs. One might expect that we are preparing effectively for a pandemic, that we were ready with the ventilators, with the ICUs, with the test kits that we need. We are not. And bottom line here is in terms of Medicare for all, despite what the vice president is saying, what the experts tell us is that one of the reasons that we are unprepared and have been unprepared is we don't have a system. We got thousands of private insurance plans. That is not a system that is prepared to provide health care to all people. In a good year, without the epidemic, we're losing up to 60,000 people who die every year because they don't get to a doctor on time. And it's clearly this crisis is only making a bad situation worse. Uh, so private health care insurance is bad. We need Medicare for all. Um, have you seen what's happening in Europe? Over to you, Democratic former Senator Claire McCaskill of Missouri. On the coronavirus thing, I want to make one point, Lawrence. I thought that Joe Biden's maybe strongest comeback to Bernie on the Medicare for all point was pointing out that Italy has a single payer government running system. And we all know what has happened to the healthcare system in Italy in light of the coronavirus. It gently pointing out that just having a single payer system uh, is not the answer to every crisis, medical crisis that our country faces. 
Hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. I can't believe Joe Biden pointed that out, but he did. Uh, Yes, Spain and Italy both have robust single-payer systems, and they're in total crisis mode in their healthcare system right now for a lot of reasons beyond that that we can get into. Uh, But yeah, uh, good for him pointing out Medicare for All really isn't the solution to the coronavirus. It is Eric Erickson here. If you want to call in, uh, the phone lines are open. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Continuing to to reset here for those of you who want to know the, the current count in the state of Georgia as numbers go up. According to Johns Hopkins University, there are now 111 reported cases in Georgia. The state will be updating them shortly, but let me do the map survey for you uh gordon county two cases floyd county four excuse me four cases polk county one case bartow county nine cases cherokee county six cases cobb county 19 cases fulton county 20 cases gwinnett county four cases clark county two cases newton county one case henry county one case Fayette County, five cases. Coweta County, two cases. Lee County, two cases. Darty County, six cases. Lowndes County, two cases. And Charlton County, one case. Charlton County is the county down there on the Florida line um, that, you know, sticks down in Florida with the Altamaha wrapping around it. It's in the Okefenokee. They got one case down there. Uh, There are increased reports of flu spikes in the state of Georgia with people testing negative for the flu. That is being presumed to be the virus Um, because if you have flu-like symptoms and test negative for the flu at this point, they're presuming you got the coronavirus. There are currently no cases in the Augusta area, the Savannah area, the Macon area, the Columbus area. Um, That is expected to change. Uh, Public health officials are also saying that we may have cases in those areas. They just have not been detected yet due to limiting testing. Uh, We are about to see a major influx of testing this week, and you will see a massive spike in the number of coronavirus cases in the United States because of that. Do not panic. Do not panic. Uh, it, it will just be because of the the fluctuation in testing. Uh, let's go back to the Democratic debate for a little more. Uh, Joe Biden, listen to him. Us up. My administration brings our people together, black and white and Latino, Native American, Asian American. Thank you, Senator Sanders. Vice President Biden, You opposed sanctuary cities as a presidential candidate in 2007. Where do you stand now? Should undocumented immigrants arrested by local police be turned over to immigration officials? No. Senator Sanders? Of course not. (laughs) The silence there, no. So sanctuary cities, A-OK for Joe and Bernie, as the coronavirus picks up steam in Mexico and illegal aliens come across the country. Well, well done here. By the way, there's breaking news. Need to go to it right now. Uh, I just said there were no cases in Augusta, Columbus, Savannah, or Macon. Augusta now reporting first two cases of the coronavirus at the AU Medical Center. Uh, this is from the Augusta Chronicle. Augusta has its first two presumed positive cases of the coronavirus, the two patients. 
an employee and a spouse of an employee at AU Medical Center are awaiting confirmation from the Centers for Disease Control. We have 99 cases as of Sunday afternoon. Johns Hopkins now says there are 111 cases in Georgia that hasn't been updated by state public health officials yet. They are mostly in metro Atlanta and south Georgia around Albany. An update is expected at noon from the Georgia Department of Public Health. Again, uh, in Augusta, we now have our first two cases of the coronavirus. It has not been chartered yet, charted yet by state public health officials. They will update that chart and the data at noon today, providing more information. There are a number of people um, are are impacted here, and the governor uh, will probably, I would suspect, be releasing a statement this afternoon. The state legislature handing him emergency powers to take swift action to deal with this uh, big hangup in the legislature is over how long to give him the powers indefinitely or 30 days. They're working on a compromise right now. We'll be back with more information in your calls in a few moments. It is Eric Erickson across the state of Georgia taking your phone calls, 877-97-ERIC. That's 877-973-7425. Javi in Athens going to you next. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I had a question. Uh, So my mom just got laid off. Uh, She works at the MGM Grand at the hotel five weeks, and I was wondering what what are they going to do with people like that? And then also I noticed that you said you were planning to go to Hilton head and me and my wife like to go there. I recommend a restaurant, Italian restaurant called Michael Anthony's Cucina. Definitely recommend that restaurant. Very, very good. Best restaurant I've ever been to. So, okay. Hang on. Michael Anthony. Cusina. Cusina. Uh, you know, it sounds for me, I'm, well, so, you know, part of the problem is, are we going to be able to go and will there be anything open when we get there? We may be hunkered down. I may have to take my, my portable pizza oven with me and just do all the cooking from home. Um, uh, regarding your, your mom in that situation, this is part of the government bailout decision here is what do we do with the people who are going to be laid off? Uh, and some states want to see waivers on rent and mortgage to make uh, let people make ends meet. Uh, power companies are saying they're not going to turn off people's power. But, you know, Internet companies are, are in, and uh, like cable and phone companies are saying they're not even going to uh, put on caps for the Internet right now for all the people working from home and, and binging on Netflix and the like. But that's a difficult public policy question. And I wish I had an answer for you Uh, on a case-by-case basis. I'm not sure. And a lot of people are going to have to rely on unemployment benefits from the state, but then that gets you another problem. The states do not want people hanging out. And if if they don't want you hanging out, they don't want you mingling in crowds, what do people do when they're having to go to the state? Uh, And particularly, they got to queue up in a line at a a state uh, entity and apply for um, and apply for unemployment benefits while they're being laid off. These are all problems that I don't think anyone has thought of, and I suspect uh, one of the reasons the governor wants these powers right now from the state legislature is to be able to revise some of these things uh, and and deal with them very quickly as uh as things move forward now by the way there is some news here uh 40 legislators are absent from the special session this morning caleb uh mcmitchin the spokesman for david ralston said one representative has voluntarily quarantined 
uh, the second politician to do so. The representative is not known. 40 of them weren't there today, and one of them has self-quarantined. We don't know which state representative it is who has state-quarantined, but they are having all sorts of problems getting the full legislature to show up, which, by the way, by the way, If you're just tuning in here, the state legislature debating whether or not to give comprehensive emergency powers to the governor uh, in ways no governor has ever gotten in the state of Georgia. And there actually is a big fracas in the House over whether or not to just give it to him or get him to hold on to them for only 30 days and have them come back. And the governor is trying to tell the House of Representatives, you already got one guy in quarantine. You got a bunch of old people here. Uh, This is a problem. And I think he's right on this, but we got to be concerned. Now, I want to play you some audio from Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio is the uh, idiot mayor of New York City. And listen, I don't name call lightly. He really is an idiot. He is a a dim-witted socialist who even the governor of New York has had enough of. And he showed up this morning, apparently, at a YMCA to go work out at 11 o'clock. And people standing outside were heckling him, calling him an idiot after telling people to avoid crowds. He's going into the gym to work out. Uh, But this is de Blasio over the weekend. Joy, there are people can get a test. It is according to a priority structure, and it's not enough testing. It's just as simple as that. We have been pleading with the federal government for weeks, publicly, letters, phone calls, get us testing so we can get ahead of this. Uh, it's here's the reality. This is a warlike situation. We're in a wartime scenario yes. with a Mar-a-Lago attitude <laughs> being used by the yeah. federal government. Right. It's it's so laid back and yeah. I don't understand it. And by the way, testing. How about ventilators? Where is the federal government making sure that our hospitals have the ventilators we're going to need? Where is the federal government when it comes to surgical masks? getting them distributed where they need. This is a case for a nationalization, literally a nationalization of crucial factories and industries that could produce the medical supplies to prepare this country for what we need. A hand sanitizer. People are going crazy. I don't blame them trying to get hand sanitizer. Is it true that we're having uh, hand sanitizer now made in New York? The state has found a way to make it, and that's great. But the point I'm saying is the federal government should recognize this is literally a crucial part of stopping this. There should be a national approach to ensuring max. Every every factory that can make hand sanitizer should be on 24-7 shifts. And the distribution should be go to the places that need it most. Yeah. There, but we're not even in the discussion now because we can't even get the testing on exactly. top. And people it's are backwards. So the mayor of New York, the socialist mayor of New York, wants command and control over the economy to insist 24-7 hand sanitizer operations. By the way, uh, those companies are doing it. You know, uh, just south of the Atlanta airport, you, you head down 85 um, for those of you who know where Peachtree City is, south of the airport, you go down 85. Uh, there is a Clorox plant down there. And the Clorox plant has been operating 24-7 now for a couple of weeks. And they're not alone. Uh, Purell and others, uh, 24-7 operations, trying to get enough hand sanitizer to the public. Uh, hand sanitizer, it, it's a temporary salve for you. Uh, you get hand sanitizer on you, it kills what's on your hands, but then you go back and, and you, uh, you, you, you touch things afterwards. Well, my goodness, you're going to get it back on your hands. The idea, though, that the government needs to do that, I, I, this this goes back to something I, I, I mentioned earlier, and, and I want to be a little bit repetitive here. 
federalism actually works. Our, our founders were, were way smarter than we are. We presume that because the founders made decisions 230 some odd years ago, uh, and we 230 some odd years later are, are more knowledgeable and have, uh, we know more about the way the world works that somehow we're smarter than they were. Well, you know, the, the big difference between us and them is that they lived in a world where they were willing to die for their principles. How many of you are actually willing to die for your free speech? How many of you are willing to actually die for your Second Amendment rights? I know I know there, there, there's some of you out there, oh, they have proud my gun for my cold dead hands. Uh, listen, amen. But how many of you really are like that? How many of you really are willing to fight the government over your right to go to church, your right to stand in the town square and preach. How many of you are really willing to put your life at risk for that? The founders were. The founders did. Some of them died. They pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor. Uh, some of them, their, their families were wiped out. Their children were killed by the British. Uh, their their uh, plantations and farms were destroyed. Their grandfathers, they lived within the memory of the glorious revolution of 1688, where their grandfathers, many of them were British, English, during the glorious revolution, and they fought for rights. They chased off James II from the, from the throne. They brought in William and Mary. And they believed themselves English and entitled to the English Bill of Rights. And their grandchildren were the founders of this country. And so they had lived with war. They had lived with smallpox. They had lived with war and pestilence. And they understood the nature of mankind far better than a lot of people today do. A lot of people believe in the goodness of humanity. Uh, Y'all, I'm a conservative because I'm a Christian and I know that I want as few sinners in charge of me as possible. And the founders of this country... They understood, the founders of this country totally understood that people left to their own devices can get together and take power and do bad things. And so they decided to create a country that had power as diffuse and diverse and spread out as possible. So they created a system where you had a powerful federal government, but one that limited a number of its interactions and had limited powers under Article 1, Section 8. And the powers not given to Washington were reserved for the states, and they ratified that to be sure of the Tenth Amendment. The, the founders wanted to clarify that. And then the states themselves had plenary powers except for those things ceded to Washington, D.C., and each of those, they're semi-autonomous states. You know, when, when people start blasting the Senate as archaic and undemocratic and unrepresentative, you're damn right it is. It was designed to be that way because the states are countries. We don't talk about it like that. You know, prior to the Civil War, more often than not, when, when the United States was referenced, it was referred to as these United States. People abroad would refer to the Americans or the United States, but people inside this country would refer to these United States. It was only after the Civil War that people started talking about the United States. It was these United States, the people of these several states, ceded power to Washington, D.C., but otherwise kept power for themselves. And those powers are plenary powers uh, for crime and education and welfare of the people of the states. Uh, plenary and diverse power. And we're seeing that right now with the states. The, the national media is fixated 
on Washington, D.C., is fixated on what the president can do. And so much of the national media hates the president of the United States that they have fixated on the president of the United States and what they think he's doing wrong or, or, or what he should be doing or what he's doing that they don't like. Meanwhile, it's Brian Kemp in Georgia who's taking the lead. It's Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, who's taking the lead. It's Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, who's taking the lead. It's Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, who's taking the lead. It's Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who's taking the lead. In all of these states, with all of these outbreaks, it is the governors who actually have more power than the president of the United States because it is by design by the founders. West Virginia, at this point, does not have any documented cases of COVID-19. I don't know why COVID-19 is discriminating against the people of West Virginia, but thus far it chooses not to go to West Virginia. Maybe it's scared of banjo music. I don't, I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nonetheless, uh, it is the one state where there has not been an outbreak of the coronavirus. Every other state has seen an outbreak of the coronavirus. Some of them small, some of them large. Take the state of Montana has five, or I'm sorry, the state of Montana has seven. The state of Idaho has five. The state of North Dakota has one. The state of South Dakota has nine. Wyoming has three. Every single state has seen it except West Virginia so far, and the odds are it will come to West Virginia. But now compare. In Washington state, there are 726 active cases and 42 people dead. The the demands of the federal government upon all of the states should be different between West Virginia that has no cases and Washington state that has over 700. That's why the governors of the states have so much power and so much more flexibility because of the way this country is designed. Look at look at Italy as an example here. In Italy, it is a it is a singular national government run no less by than by socialists who are dictating the demands of the entire Italian state. Now, Italy is a smaller country than us, but Italy has a lot of regionalism as well. But it is the Italian government mandating national demands across the entire country without any sort of bifurcation between region as to how to do things. In this country, because of the genius of our founders and the federal solution that the founders imposed, the people of Washington state and the governor of Washington state can do things differently than the governor of of Georgia needs to do. The mayor of of Los Angeles has shut down gatherings, and now the governor of California has shut down businesses. The mayor of Atlanta has shut down gatherings, but the governor of the state has not shut down businesses uh, because the situations are diametrically opposed to each other. California has several hundred cases. Georgia right now has 111 cases. It's different. The founders knew what they were doing by allowing the states to continue to be semi-sovereign entities and ceding limited powers to Washington, allowing the president of the United States to be the commander-in-chief and to presume through the war power, awesome powers of the presidency that otherwise can't be unleashed, but to allow the various state governors of the various states to have individually their powers reserved that they had prior to the founding of the country, except for those seated to Washington, D.C. It is a genius system. It provides flexibility and redundancy as everybody in the nation is screaming, oh, the Trump administration, the Trump administration. Who cares about the Trump administration? The actions are being taken by the governors of the states. That's where you're being kept safe in your states, in your local communities, by the governors you elected. There is a flexibility there. It's a flexibility we should take seriously, even as people are lamenting Washington, D.C. One more clip for you. This is Dana Bash talking about the Trump administration. And then Scott Gottlieb, uh, the former head of the FDA for Barack Obama, talking about what the Trump administration is doing. War effort 
as we have seen in a long time. When I say war, it is the, something that you were involved in uh, on a much smaller scale. The government partnering with private sector uh, companies that do this and doing it in a way that I think will make people feel a lot better, at least the show of force, as Andre called it, than we saw at the in the Oval Office a couple of days ago. Public show of force now from the Trump administration, private public partnership. Here's Scott Gottlieb, former FDA head. Look, I've had I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to talk to officials in the White House all through this. Um, some of the calls that I was making to them, the conversations I was having go back to January. They've been on top of this. I mean, they've been concerned about this. I've been talking to White House staff and the mm-hmm. staff's been concerned about this. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to continue to try to provide whatever help I can. So the professionals out there are actually standing up now and starting to say that, yeah, you know, the White House has its act together. It's getting information out there. It's doing a public-private partnership. It's working. It's the partisans in the media who are attacking them. But it doesn't matter because it ignores the fact that the several states have competent governors who have the most power to deal with this issue at the state level based on the needs of the individual states. One size fits all from Washington, D.C. is not the solution for containing this virus. West Virginia has no cases of the virus. Seattle, Washington has 700 cases. The needs of Washington state are different from the needs of West Virginia. Uh, the, the, the one size fits all policies from Washington would be insane to do. That is the genius of our system, the flexibility the founders gave us through a federal system. And all the Democrats who have been complaining that we need a one size fits all federal government are being exposed as not making sound policy decisions by thinking of it in that way. You should uh, sign up for the recipes. Text recipe to 33777. I will be sending out recipes all week as you are homebound and maybe only escaping to the grocery store, but preferably with stuff in your home you can deal with um, to be able to make uh, because you're homebound and you're stuck. Uh, Let me say this before I get out of here today. Uh, We're waiting the update from the Georgia Department of Public Health uh, on what their survey is for uh, the coronavirus it updates at noon typically um we're expecting now well over 100 cases in the state of georgia at least 111 is being reported by johns hopkins university um the state right now holding steady at 99 on its official website the numbers go live in about four minutes as to what the update is but let, let me tell you this over the next several weeks you're going to hear a lot of rumors you're going to hear a lot of reports of things it's like war and rumor of war I'm getting text messages from people. I hear the the president's deploying the National Guard. He's going to ban interstate travel, and, and you're not going to be allowed out of your homes and stuff. That That's that's not true. Uh, in fact, each state, as I mentioned in the last segment, state by state, uh, decisions will be made. Travel decisions will be made. Very hard to stop people from traveling. There are so many roads in this country. I don't think they're going to do that. They may ban you from going to hotels and things like that. Uh, I got a vested interest in them not banning travel because I'd really like to get to the beach in a couple weeks to the house we've rented. Um, there are all sorts of rumors, though, folks. Uh, and they're just rumors. It is my job to keep you apprised of, uh, apprised of what is factual and what is true uh, and not to sh- rumor monger with you. And, and I take it very seriously right now that there are a great many people out there peddling uh, rumors and lies and things that are not true, uh, distracting you. I've got people on Instagram. I put up a very innocuous post. I got people saying essentially you can't believe the CDC because they're in bed with the pharmaceutical manufacturers and they're lying to you. You know, and at some point, there actually is a thing called truth out there, and it's our obligation to try to find the truth. 
And there are so many people who don't believe anything other than by their own experience. There, Frankly, sadly, there are people who are going to have to get this virus to believe it's actually serious. And you know people like that, and I know people like that. And that's that's what's going to go on here. Uh, but by and large, uh, there is a virus spreading across this country. If it spreads as bad as the flu, there will be 10 times as many people dead. And that's why they're working very hard to contain it. So don't be panicked by it, but take it seriously. Stay home. Avoid going shopping if you can. If you've got to go shopping, do it as, as quickly as possible. Uh, buy what you need. Uh, don't panic and hoard because other people need things too. And if you're buying up all the toilet paper that you'll never actually use in your lifetime, other people won't be able to get it. Uh, be responsible and respectful and help your neighbors out as well. And remember small businesses. It actually does some good to go out and either get to go from restaurants if they do it or buy a gift certificate from the restaurant to help the restaurant out now as they're struggling to make payroll with the decline in people showing up in the restaurants. Uh, do what you can to help your local community. Seek the welfare of your community because that's going to be where you find your welfare. And I will bring you up to speed with the latest here tomorrow from the state of Georgia and the nation right here on this station at this time. See you guys tomorrow.